If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out GuardianVets.com now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas, and I'm excited that you're here. And with that, we're going to jump into this week's podcast here in just a second. We're going to hit up our sponsors that help make the show possible. There's lots of companies that I believe in that I think help veterans across the board, whether it's find a job, hire talent, become more efficient in their practice, all those things, right? So these sponsors mean a ton to me. So I know a lot of people will fast forward or skip through them. But if and when you're looking for help and some of the solutions they offer, I would highly, highly encourage you to check them out. And so with that, no further ado, jump into the ads and we'll get right into the show. So thank you for listening and uh, enjoy. I get it, Isaiah, you talk about Bitcoin all the time. Well, as I go out and about, I continually hear the demand for any more Bitcoin education, or I don't really understand. I hear you talking about it. I know you're passionate about it. I know you have a lot of conviction, but I need more info. And that's where Bitcoin for Vet Med really came from, was taking, hey, the 10,000, 100,000 hours of time that I've spent and distill it down into bite-sized courses and walking you through of getting a foundational why, a little bit of understanding the technical side of Bitcoin, and then how to grapple with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and just the things that you hear throughout the media, and giving you the ability to up your Bitcoin knowledge to go from zero to hero, and feel a lot more comfortable saying, okay, this is something that matters, and I want to take some of the value that I create and save into Bitcoin. So head over to bitcoinforvetmed.com or click the link in the show notes. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with Offer First. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match, it's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. If you want to learn more, listen to episode 179 with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that. The other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay. So Link in the show notes is going to take you to Offer First. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to Offer First directly. And Offer First is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. They're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. 
Shepard automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. All right. Welcome back. And I am joined by a guest that is coming back for the second time, Andrew Langdon, founder of VetWorth. Andrew is a CFP, fee-only financial planner, serving veterinarians locally within Georgia, but also virtually around the country. Excited to have him back. He is a member of the Veterinary Financial Advisor Network and originally joined me for an in-person podcast when he was in town for the Georgia National Championship game back in January of 2022. And that was episode 118, if you want to go back and get a little bit more history. So we're just going to jump into different topics. But Andrew, thank you for carving out time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Not in studio, but uh, it was fun in Indianapolis. Of course, we won too. So that was very good. Yeah, it always (laughs) makes the trip better when you come, you travel, and your team wins. Like, that's awesome. And Indy does a great job at putting on events. And it's a great town. And a lot of times people will hear, hey, you're from Indianapolis or Indiana. I've been there once or I've never been there. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really... It's not a vacation destination, but it, there are a lot of sporting events that will bring people to town and they kind of get a taste for Indy. So Hoosier Hospitality is real. Love it. And I'm going to be in the South for a wedding coming up. And I always love going to the South because people are awesome. I just always enjoy conversations and connecting with people in different ways. So, yeah. Yeah, that was my first exposure to zero degree temperatures. So. Yeah. Or, that's sorry, single digit temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> That's the downside. That's what helps keep the cost of living. Because if it was California weather here, there's no way it would work. So we got to keep it cold to to make it a little bit harder on folks. So we connected about 18 months ago. What's new with you and Vetworth? Anything top of mind that you want to share or talk about as we kick things off? Yeah, new. I mean, growth has been great. I've kind of developed a niche within veterinary medicine, niche within a niche, you know, commonalities and uh, with relief veterinarians. That's kind of been a, as far as, you know, why we've each kind of broken into our own respective careers onto our own, you know, self-employment. And so there's been a lot of, again, just similarities there that we can share. And of course, when it comes to financial planning, there's a lot of similarities there too that, that they have that I have. So I can express some of those of what I've learned and how, you know, I would maybe guide them and how they create their business. So uh, that's kind of been a transition, if you will, over the past 18 months, still serving all across that med, but that's kind of been a, I guess, a new development. Yeah. I had Cindy Trice from Relief Rover come on and talk about work and relief. And obviously there's a ton of growth in just that section of vet med. And you have an awesome guide on your homepage, which we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes that people that are really veterinarian should definitely check out. But what do you think are the different things that you've seen serving on that niche within a niche that is maybe misunderstood or just blatantly missed? Like, didn't even think about that, Andrew, until you brought it up. Yeah. Well, there's some of the differences are like the difference between states. So registering between states, like California is much different than any other state as far as how you register as a self-employed repeat vet. They don't allow professionals like financial planners, veterinarians to be an LLC. So you have to create like new entities there. But managing irregular cash flow, uh, which, you know, is a commonality with a lot of business owners, but it's, I have a client who may work like six weeks in a row. She might earn $30,000 and then she takes an eight week vacation. And so it's like, well, how do you manage like paying all your bills and kind of having a system in place for that. But those are things that I enjoy. Those are topics that are good to tackle. And it's just exposure to different elements too, which which just broadens my you know, level of expertise and, and what I'm able to provide other clients as well. Yep. Anything else in just regards to whether it's insurance or write-offs or things that are a little bit different than their peers that are an associate or possibly a brick and mortar owner that you want to highlight? Well, yeah, I mean, as an associate, like the, the insurance piece is definitely different because you're responsible for everything. Assuming you're self-employed, they do have like Indivets. I have some clients who work for Indivets where you are a W-2 relief vet. So you're an employee of Indivets. But if you're self-employed at 1099, like all of your life insurance, disability insurance, professional liability insurance, all that is up to you. With that also comes with the ability to deduct any sort of business-related expenses, which is very important to keep track of and separate from personal I always encourage clients to have a separate personal and business expenses because for some reason, my father does not. He is self-employed as well. And so he used to go through at the end of the year and pick out all of his business-related expenses. And I'm like, dad, you just need to separate it and it does it for you. So that's big too, getting all of that set up initially. But those are, yeah, just differences obviously between associate vets with that. A lot of it is up to you, which for the right entrepreneurial-minded individual can be great. I mean, I enjoy it and many of the relief vets I work with enjoy it as well. What do you look at from a health insurance piece? Because I know this is like a very tricky topic. Is there any advice and guidance, good solutions that you found, things that you like? 
That is actually probably the one area where it, it, I need to brush up on my own level of expertise there. But I mean, obviously, if you don't have a spouse or a partner that has access to employer-sponsored health insurance, you have to go out in the marketplace and get your own. If you have left within the last two or three years, depending on how you left, like COBRA may help. But yeah, going through the exchange, and each state has their own exchanges, and there are individual representatives who can help select, you know, guide you through which options to choose. And you don't pay them. They get paid by whatever insurance plan they help you with. But it's looking at different levels of coverages. What are we trying to cover? Like, are we just really trying to go for catastrophic events? Or do you have under underlying medical issues that need a better level of coverage, even though you might pay more premium? Many of my clients don't have extensive medical history. So looking at like high deductible plans with the ability to use an HSA are always things that I want them to consider there. But there's a lot that goes into it, of course, as you know, just different states have different exchanges, depends on what like credits you might be available for and things like that. But that is something that I'm, I am working on is to develop my levels of knowledge there too. One thing that I'm going to throw out, and this is an episode that I did, and I don't know what number it is, but I'll put it in the show notes. But I did an episode with Andy Schoonover from CrowdHealth and CrowdHealth is not health insurance, but it's kind of like the health sharing platforms. And I am intrigued by it and I'm actually going to use it personally. So I'm going to have an individual account with CrowdHealth. So I won't have health insurance. My wife actually just got a new job recently and is going to start that later on. We're going to evaluate whether her new benefits make sense to use it for our two kids and her, but just the idea of trying to lower the cost of healthcare, depending on where you're at and understanding the trade-offs that are there. Because yeah, if you go out to the marketplace, some of them are ridiculously expensive. And I think some of these health sharing plans, if you are a healthy individual, and one of the things I give CrowdHealth kudos on is there's a screening criteria. They want to make sure that healthy people get in because that's an incentive to keep the cost lower. And then you share that burden across, you know, from a cost perspective for a family, again, everyone needs to look at their own situation. I think a lot of times it's prescriptions that sometimes are the key determining factor of whether it makes sense or not. I'm blessed and fortunate where I don't have a lot of things that I need to take. So for me, it's more of that, going back to what you said, catastrophic coverage of being able to cover that. And it's I can keep that cost personally for me much, much lower. And then it couldn't be an episode with me without mentioning Bitcoin, but I think CrowdHealth is going to offer the ability for me to pay into the plan with Bitcoin at some point, which is pretty cool. And I think they have a little bit of that ethos and some of the people on their team, but that's beside the point. So I think those are interesting. You know, one of the other things, a lot of the relief that they may do they may work in six different states. And so like their home base may be, like I have a client home base in Hawaii, but she does work in California, Colorado, Illinois, and Michigan. And so it's like, well, if you have an HMO plan, which may be the cheapest one like that, you can only use that state's plan. So do you have to go back to Hawaii to go to your general doctor if you're not going to pay out of pocket or, you know, out of network outside? So yeah, those are all things that are, I mean, that's a source spot. I think just all over for most people that don't it have is. employer-sponsored coverage. But yeah. It is. I would give kudos to Crowd Health. There's some other ones that are more religious organizations, depending on how someone feels about that, what they believe. I think there's options out there that are outside of just the marketplace. And, you know, I think we can both agree fundamentally healthcare is broken and there's some major issues with just the cost of care today. But with that being said, I know it's a huge issue for relief vets. So curious if, you know, there was any specific thoughts that you had there, but no, I'm with you. It's always one of those things you want to brush up on. Have you noticed any changes in conversations with clients over the last year, whether it's inflation, student loans, recession, and I'm going to maybe bring that up later on, but just stuff like that. Have you noticed any themes or changes? Yeah. So on the recession piece, there was at the beginning of the year, I had a lot of conversations with prospective relief vets who were very concerned of if they were to break out on their own, will the job still be available? There's still a lot of money going into veterinary medicine. I think some of that is being scaled back a bit. With the amount of you know funds that are being poured into just these, these clinics, not only from the purchase side, but also you know what they're able to to hire vets with, starting salaries and things like that. I haven't for my when I ask them because I do ask them typically every time like, are you still finding available shifts in larger metro areas? They're still there, like San Francisco, Charlotte, Dallas. Like those, those opportunities still exist. Maybe not so much in some of the smaller communities, but that has been it's always been a conversation. Just because I'm obviously curious about that as well. You know, how is the industry going to continue to move forward? This is kind of a big age of coming forward for relief vets. Like this is somewhat, I wouldn't say new, but as far as the influx of individuals who are pursuing this career opportunity as like a self-employed relief vet, uh, I think that's kind of a big, big boon. And yeah, obviously student loans is always going to be top of mind when you own 
triple digit debt. <laughs> uh, it's got to be paid back one way or another. That's always going to be something that's a, a sticking point for sure. What has been your discussions and thoughts on student loans just with the payments starting next, beginning of October, right? They, I mean, they officially start right now, but I guess they're due starting October, if I recall correctly. Yeah. First, I think interest starts started last week. So interest start again and the first payment will resume in October. I mean, my personal opinion is I, I know they try to fix it, but all they do is just make it more complicated. <laughs> I, I guess Amen in some ways, <laughs> I guess in some ways they simplified it and that they've taken one payment plan, turned it into another. And then, you know, after five years or something like that's all you can, as long as you're enrolled in that plan, like you can't switch out after that point. So maybe like kind of somewhat handcuffing people into a plan. The new safe plan is definitely more geared toward being a benefit to undergraduate borrowers. There are still some positives for graduate borrowers, depending on a lot of different circumstances. But the pay as you earn plan, you kind of have to weigh the options of somewhat of pick your poison. Do you want a lower payment to pay for 25 years? Or do you want to have a slightly higher payment with a payment cap that you only pay for 20 years? Which, you know, that, that five year difference could be in your prime earning years as a veterinarian. So that's going to be some of your highest income earning years, like maybe paying those off five years sooner could be a benefit. But there's in finance, there's like two decisions. There's obviously the financial decision, the numbers perspective, but there's also the behavioral or, or emotional component as well. Like, I don't want to have this debt more than 20 years. Okay, well, let's go on this plan if you're eligible, of course. Different considerations there. And then just the thought of aggressive pay down versus stretch it out. I mean, I know it's all going to be situational dependent. What have you seen or what have you had more conversations on? Is it? Hey, the plan's there, leverage it, use it, it's a benefit, or hey, I think the math makes more sense to get more aggressive and pay it down. Yeah, obviously very dependent. If you have the income and or income potential, I would recommend typically paying that down just to get it down to zero, pay off that, that debt. But I mean, I have some clients who have $500,000 of debt and they make 120000 a year, and that's the mortgage payment. You, know, you get two mortgage payments, like you should definitely take advantage of the plan that's available to you. And, you know, plan for that tax forgiveness in the future. So it, it, always run analysis to kind of see what makes sense for, for their situation. But it's good to have alternatives, at least, you know, again, just utilize what's available to you. Forgiveness is one of those options and it's going to help you get ahead. Shorter term goals by having a lower payment today, whether it be to go into practice ownership, buy a home, whatever it is, then I would absolutely encourage them to, to go on that plan. Again, assuming long term, it makes sense. I want to come back to the recession piece. So you had that conversation earlier on with relief veterinarians and I get it because it makes total sense. Hey, if we see this big recession, am I going to have work? Am I going to have income? But do they have questions on, let's say, investment strategy or other pieces of the recession? Like maybe I want to buy a house and I'm going to wait because, you know, if we have a recession, home prices are going to correct. Or, you know, I read this thing or I saw this on TikTok. I know from my previous days, there's all kinds of interesting content out there that different people react to based on maybe how they were raised or just what triggers them at that moment. But how have you kind of talked through the recession conversation? Are we in one? Is it coming? Does it matter? Yeah, I would say kind of it's more of the latter, at least with, with the individuals that work with on like an ongoing basis. Because one of the first things that we do and I work with clients is just like establish a cash reserve. You've got you know, three to six months of something in liquid available cash that you can use for emergencies. You're adequately covered from an insurance perspective and you've got, you know, estate plan docs in place, wills, trust, power of attorney, things like that. Um, so if there is some sort of correction, like you have a little bit of buffer to be able to do so, whereas your other investments can be built more for long term. I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. That might be uh, not an accurate reflection of how it works, but more of a, like we're planning and like this is something that we're building into what we are planning for. And that, I mean, I think what on average since World War II, I think there's been a, U.S. recession like every four years or so. So the fact that we haven't had one minus COVID in like 10 plus years, I think is somewhat of an anomaly and humans, individuals have just very short term memories when it comes to that. And so it's just kind of peeling back the onion a little bit and like reminding them of, hey, here is what has occurred over time. History doesn't repeat itself. It is not guaranteed to be this same way in the future, but this is what has occurred, you know, typically over the past 80, 100 years. And we are building that into our plan to prepare for those types of events. So yeah, conversations with again ongoing clients are more of a, this is something that we're monitoring. It's built into the plan. I definitely want to make sure that I answer questions, make sure that you're comfortable with what we have proposed. But for the most part, it is like, it's, it's something that we we're always monitoring. Yeah. It's not like uh, Andrew or Isaiah can stop a recession. So that's the part where it's like, 
it does matter. And I don't like the hand wavy financial advisor that pulls out the chart from like a hundred years and says, Hey, recession, who cares? It's like, well, it's different when you're living through it. And again, I think it's a great point talking with relief veterans, especially or just veterans in general, like times have been really good. So if it slows down, like is your lifestyle a part where you have some cushion, right? And maybe you eat into that cushion, but you're still good. Like you're not to the point where it's like, whoop, we had a good run. Now we give it all back. And any progress we made over the last handful of years is just gone. So that, there that was a, is important. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There was a uh, Bloomberg article from October last year. You may have seen that the headline was like 100% of economists predict recession tail into 2022. This was in October. And of course, that didn't really transpire. And 2023 has been a very good year overall for the market. Like if you had taken funds out, like you would have missed out on 20 some percent within the market itself. And I've seen something out like, yes, you can't predict that. Hey, it could be like 10 weeks out. Like it could happen, you know, in a month from now. Like, and, and recessions are somewhat slow to, to transpire in that regard. It's not going to hit overnight. Well, it can, but it may not. But um, it's going to happen. Like there is going to be a recession. It's just a matter of when, what is it triggered by, and how long does it last, and how does it affect you personally. Those are all things that just, again, can't really be 100%. Yeah, timing is really tricky. And I think if you go to the grocery store, and I'm not talking the fancy bougie ones, I'm talking to the normal grocery store, and you walk around and you look at people or you sense what's going on, I think there's a recession already here. And I think a lot of people are struggling, right? And so you've seen that where wages haven't kept up with inflation, people are struggling credit card debts back to all-time highs. Like there's challenges out there for lots of folks. And so I think it is maybe not an overarching recession, but there are different environments where there are recessions. I think, you know, if you had someone that was working in real estate development or they were a realtor, they're starting to feel it, right? Those homes aren't moving at 8% 30-year mortgages. It's really tricky. So there are portions of the economy that are seeing pain. And the other thing to remain, I guess, in the forefront is as a veterinarian, you can use lots of different terms and different things to just a normal Isaiah that comes in and brings their dog and it's overwhelming. And I think it's the same thing with like financial services. There's lots of jargon that you get thrown around and you're like, I don't know what that means or what that person just said. Sounds important, right? But interest rates were raised from basically zero to much higher levels. And it was the fastest increase that we've ever seen in history. Well, typically when you raise interest rates that fast, it's not like people are going out and refinancing their debts or doing these different things right away. So it takes a lot of time, 12, 18, 24 months for that to flow through. So I still think the interest rates that are out there, as you have debt that's variable, it's going to take a little bit of time to hit. And I think that idea of a recession and people going through a hard time still out there, haven't still fully felt the effects. And again, I'm not going to be the economist that says, hey, guarantee 2024 recession. You heard it here first, right? I think it there's absolutely that on the horizon. And I think people just need to be cognizant of it. Are you making major changes to the way that you invest for retirement in your 30s? No, right? You got 20, 25 years, 30 years before you're going to need it. And then you're still going to need it after that. Same thing for, you know, if you're doing work and you're scheduling out shifts as a relief vet, are you making major changes? No, you're not. But I just think it's something that people need to be aware of that just because the stock market is up does not mean the economy is healthy. Those two things are not the same. And I think that's really hard for people to understand. Economy that you live, work, and interact in, in the stock market, major disconnects there. They are not the same thing. Yeah, absolutely agree. That's hard for people to understand because stock market is much more influenced by monetary policy and decisions that are made from the Federal Reserve and others, and just things around the world that happen versus the economy is very, very complex. And there's lots of moving parts and no one has control of that. It's kind of its own beast. And to kind of circle, I guess, connect that dot with like going back to the student loan piece is if, if you use one of those income driven plans and there is a pullback in the economy, shifts start to dry up. You don't earn as much income. Like you can reduce monthly payments that way. You're not tied into a $3,000 a month payment if you can't make it. And so there's just the flexibility piece added with there too. There's just obviously a lot of components with that. But yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying. I mean, the amount of money that's been pumped into the economy over the last, what, 10 plus years. And that has long-term implications too. So when we talk about where to save, you know, the traditional sense has been, well, you put into a pre-tax 401k IRA, and then ideally maybe in the future in your lower tax bracket, but I don't see tax rates going anywhere but up. I mean, someone's got to pay for (laughs) all this and it's going to be the taxpayer. So if you lock in a tax rate today with Roth or whatever the case may be, if you're able to, like, I'm assuming they won't scale that back. I'm assuming that it'll be a march on 
Capitol Hill if that's the case, but that's just kind of you know building in a little insurance, if you will, of not having to pay possibly inflated tax rates in the future to, to cover you know, a lot of this debt that's been accrued. If you can improve the health of an animal, you do it, right? Of course, that's what makes veterinarians special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable, online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They wanna help you improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they prioritize having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. Yeah, and the idea of the debt situation getting resolved, I think it's past the point of no return, right? We're in the car, no brakes, on fire down a hill. The debt's not gonna get repaid. And so there's like a handful of options that you have. Well, I guess there's really two. You can all of a sudden have the come to Jesus moment and let's get fiscally responsible. We're going to cut lots of programming and like programs being like social security and Medicaid. And again, pitchforks and torches come out if you start talking like that and you're unelectable as an official. So that's not going to happen. Or it is, all right, let's create more monetary units to cover the gap. And we're going to print money to pay off our debt, which is becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger part of just the federal budget. The federal budget right now is over a trillion dollars is paying off interest expense. And again, as we talked about, interest rates went up. A lot of that debt that the federal government has, it has to be refinanced in the next three years, about a third of it. And so it's going to go from like one or 2% to five. What's that going to do? It just cycles up the debt payments even more. And what do you have to do? You have to print more money to pay that off. And so that's the crazy Isaiah guy that talks about this Bitcoin thing. That's kind of why is like, there's really only one solution because the other one, no one will elect a leader to become fiscally responsible. What's going to happen is the Staples easy button gets picked and pressed over and over again to say, I'm here for four years. The easy decision is to take the dollar and make it worth less and less and inflate the prices. And what you're going to see is home prices are not necessarily going to go down. Fuel is going to go up. Everything that you want in your life is going to continue to get more expensive. And so it just is going to make it rough. The nice thing, not to give everyone a black pill and be like, well, the world sucks. It's over, right? Is the demand for veterinary medicine continues to go up and you have a lot of pricing power, whether you're a relief veterinarian, whether you're a practice owner, if you're a, an associate and you're paid on production or have some sort of pro-sal setup, that helps give you a little bit more insulation because as prices go up within the hospital, you see some of that as well to kind of offset that. So a lot of professions don't have it. And I think that's a really, really nice benefit of the industry that is veterinary medicine. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think veterinary medicine is in a good position. I think as a practice owner, it's it's going to be a little tougher as you start to still like recruit, retain employees because the competition, like yep. you know, the, the hand is within the actual veterinarian himself, not necessarily the practice owner, right? If there's going to be multiple competing interests or, or different clinics you can go to. I know I think you've had maybe a conversation with Paul Diaz with the whole non-compete thing as well. Like if that starts to, I don't personally agree with those, but uh Get that neck that's going to allow individuals to transfer to different clinics, even you know within the same town. So offers are going to have to get more competitive that way. Yeah, there's, I think I saw six veterinary schools here in the next few years. That's not going to do really anything for like the <laughs> estimated veterinarian shortage, which I hope it doesn't you know still add to like the burnout that a lot of vets experience. But it will be good for like job prospects and the ability, as you mentioned, like purchasing power, practicing services to maintain employment. And, and still have the ability to earn a good income. Yep. I totally agree. It's like adding more veterinarians helps, but it's not an immediate fix. It's going to take some time to flow through and I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So you're going to talk at what I considered when I was an advisor in my previous role in life, my favorite event of the year, which is the SEP seminar. So it's for equine veterinarians. I know it's later this fall. I'll give kudos to Stacy, Misty, and Kelly. I don't know if they'll listen, but shout out. You do an awesome job at hosting that. What are you going to talk about? Give me a sneak peek. And what do you think is going to be really important for those folks to take away from that conversation? Yeah. So I, I have to attended. I had a conversation with Stacy, Kelly, and Misty and kind of what they're there for. And there's, there's a lot of different career tracks as well as just kind of where they are 
within their life journeys as well. And so the conversation itself that I'm going to have is going to be kind of like a, an inch deep and a mile wide, just covering a lot of the basics. But I think, you know, because you've attended, they have opportunities for one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so that's where we're hoping to get more into, you know, the weeds and depth of like, what questions do you have? Like what's kind of ailing you and, uh, you know, or, or concerns that you have moving forward. But it's definitely going to be a pretty, you know, heavy emphasis on establishing the you know, financial foundation. So we had to talk about recession, like when things don't go awry, which that is going to happen. Again, like the only thing certain in life is uncertainty. So having those pieces in place and then here's some opportunities to build network once they, you know, that foundation is built. But I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's October 4th through the 6th, I believe. But I'm excited to attend. You've laid a pretty good foundation for me there to continue. So I'm yeah, definitely excited to get there. Yeah, it's an awesome, awesome group of people. It's fun. I think it's a good model for how you can create community at a smaller scale within Vet Med. Yeah, I've been to, you know, the huge conferences and you can get kind of lost in the sea of people. And sometimes those smaller, more intimate events have a bigger impact. You can stay connected. You can have more just honest and open, candid thoughts. And that's the one thing that I love that they've done is you can have real open, heartfelt conversations that, again, stay within the folks that are there. It's just super impactful. So yeah, you'll have a blast. You'll learn a bunch too. That's what the other thing I loved about it is like, I'm learning. I get to come and like share what I know, but I'm learning equally as much as I go and attend. But yeah, what I mean, happened? Go ahead. No, I was going to say a lot of the, like what, the expertise, what I can talk about comes from individuals, you know, clients telling me like, hey, here's what's going on in my life, questions I have. And it gives me an opportunity to review those, which I can then pass on the knowledge earned there or situations they may have gone through and impart that knowledge on others too. So I love learning from others because that's how Again, most of my breadth of knowledge comes from. And I can say this even more now just because I'm not trying to vie for anyone's business, right? From that standpoint, but working with someone that has a dedicated focus within veterinary medicine or any industry, you're spot on, right? If you have 50 conversations with 50 different veterinarians, you have all this information coming of all these different data points that then it makes you better at your job because you're able to then share all that and understand. Not like you're going to share like, hey, the hospital down the road, this is what they're doing. You better change your pricing. It's more or less the, this is the challenges, these are the issues. This is the tool that someone used, or this is how they fix that issue. And it's like, you get way better at your job. It's like this self-propelling like machine. And so like the Andrew today in six to nine to 12 months, you're going to be even better then, which is awesome, right? Because you just build upon the information and knowledge that you keep hearing from those folks. So yeah, it's I love it. a very close-knit community too that's willing to help others. So I, I'm working with a client. She works within the vets right now as an associate, but practice ownership is you know happening in like 12 months, 13 months. Like it's already on track to open. Just started working with another client, literally same track, working within the vets, hoping to open a practice within 24 months or so. And I'm like, I have an individual who has just went through what you went through. I have talked to her. She is willing to like help you out and you know guide her through what her process was, pitfalls, things to avoid, things to look out for. And they're all more than willing to do so, which is awesome. You know, that kind of abundance mentality, if you will, of sharing your knowledge with others and, and not, like you said, being in competition with each other either. Yep. Yeah. It makes life so much easier when you don't have to learn every painful lesson yourself. What's on your mind or heart? It could be vet med related. It could be just general financial planning, investment, anything that maybe I haven't asked you about that you want to chat a little bit on or share. Yeah. Top of mind, it's more of a something that I always encourage clients to at least consider, and you may be familiar with this, you may have an opinion about this. I'm going to really butcher his name, but Mike Nikolovich, something like that, the profit first method. So with okay. irregular or variable income, one of the biggest conversations I have is I don't know how to devise this stuff. Like how do I account for each dollar that comes in? And it's really, in my opinion, I hope I'm, you know, I'm not offending him by this, but it's, a, it's basically just a digital envelope system. Knowing your cash flow, what do you have coming in? What are your expenses? not only from a business perspective, but also personal as well. Kind of having an understanding what taxes are and then what do you need to pay yourself? And so for every dollar that comes in, you have a percentage allocated toward that and you create different account for that. And those dollars get divided up. So there's no surprise come quarterly tax time of how am I going to pay these taxes? There's no huge lump sum tax bill at the end of the year. Your expenses are being paid automatically every month, whatever those may be. And there's funds available to pay those. And then of course, you know, the, the compensation piece able to pay yourself as well. But, you know, like for the clients I work with, for example, the ones that work six weeks, make a bunch of money, they take eight to 10 weeks off. Well, it's like, how do I divide that up? And so that's where that profit first system, which I personally use, I don't require clients to use it, but I like to expose them to that. 
for those like who are maybe going through this and don't know how to, how are they going to account for these different types of taxes and pay those or, you know, again, just how to devise income and when it's going to be irregular, I would recommend at least exploring that, um, that system. I love it. In every business. So you hear about like practice evaluations and all these other things we get really complex with all these terms, EBITDA, profit margins, all these different things, right? At the end of the day, when you buy a business or you run a business, it's, is it a profitable cash flowing business? If you are not profitable yet, how do you get there, right? Is it cutting expenses? Is it growing top line? When you're a startup, it's obviously gonna be very different. But at the end of the day, you need to have a business that can self-sustain. Sustainability is objective number one. Can you stay in the game? And can you continue to do what you're doing? And is there demand for your services? But yes, profit first. I've actually not read it. So shame on me, right? I'm familiar with it. I've heard about it. I think the concepts from my understanding are fantastic. So I would definitely endorse the ideas of doing that. And I think it's really helpful for those that do have the lumpy income because veterinary medicine is not like the only industry that has it. There's salespeople, right? That are on commission. I can think of a friend that works in private equity, has a base salary and then gets a portion of certain deals. Most of his compensation comes from those deals when they close. He doesn't know how many are going to close in a year. Sometimes there's more, sometimes they get pushed a quarter and then there's big checks that come in. It's like, how do I divide up what I keep, what I pay taxes on and then what I can save, right? And so I think that idea of saying, I'm going to carve out each amount to have a task and have a role makes total sense. So I love that. It's really good. I mean, personally, as well as individuals I talk about, like, there's nothing worse than come April and you owe a large tax liability. And oh, by the way, you underpaid, so you also owe this penalty. Avoiding those types of surprises is something that that system can help to eliminate. So, You've been on the podcast before. I think I had started the any questions for me then. I didn't re-listen to our episode, but I think we did that before. But I'm going to offer it again. Any questions, anything you want to pose back to me? I know I've kind of Throwing a bunch of questions your way. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but obviously, you know, this podcast has exposed you to a lot of individuals from not only like within veterinary medicine, like the actual medicine component, but also support, you know, outside as well, marketing pieces, things like that. I'm going to ask specifically just, uh, you know, kind of the refit side, but where do you see that moving forward? Like, is this something that you think is going to be a permanent opportunity for veterinarians for that self-employment piece? Or do you kind of see it as, Hey, this is a great option now. Why there is, you know, a shortage and, and you know, ability to kind of hang out your shingle, you know, proverbial shingle, if you will. Or do you find that the like practice owners are going to get better with the culture that they work with and then you know, the, the benefits they offer to where like those associate opportunities are going to come back and they're going to be plentiful and, and beneficial for that? I think I know what you're asking, which to me, I think there's still very much so like a golden age of veterinary medicine where there's tons of opportunity. I think in any business, going back to the cash flow piece, like, okay, is there a market demand for my services? The answer in vet med is absolutely yes. It's also growing. That's also a bonus, right? So you kind of ride that wave up and then kind of see is the current status quo is not great, right? There's lots of people that are unhappy that have really poor leadership, whether it's corporate or private. Well, I'm just going to throw a wide net because it's happening on both sides. It's not just one or the other. There's opportunities. And I don't think it's always going to be pay me top dollar. For some people in a certain period of life or season of life, it is 100% top dollar. I'll use myself as an example, right? So I left the bunch of planning business that I had and I went and I'm working at Swan Bitcoin. I probably could have went somewhere else and made more money if I was maximizing every dollar that I wanted to make in income today. I chose that because I think the opportunity, I think the tailwind, I think that industry as a whole is where I want to be. I'm intellectually interested and it's growing. And there's so much stuff that's going out there in the future. So I was like, I want to position myself there. I'm not trying to maximize everything I can make today. And I think within veterinary medicine, if you're running a business, the hardest thing is not the medicine side. And I know I've talked about this a million times, but it's going to be the managing the people and finding good people that will fit. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to read the situation wrong. I've done it. I know it's hard, but if you find the right members of the team and you have to pay them a little bit more and your numbers are slightly off because you're paying more in salary or wages, but you're able to do other things, like ultimately it's a game of talent uh, acquisition in veterinary medicine, just like any other business. If you have more talent and have the right people on your team, the money literally will feel like it's falling from the sky. Not that it's easy, but when you are able to really truly delegate, have people you trust and lean on them and provide a good service, 
you'll do fantastic. So I think the opportunity is still out there. I still think there's good opportunity for individual kind of practice owners. I think there's this somewhere between, you know, this big mega corporate and this individual like single location doctor. There's this area in the middle where I think it's still privately held multi-location, a collection of doctors that want to join together on a similar mission that is still really, really attractive. And yeah, are the multiples for selling out to corporate as high as they were? No, they're still significantly higher than they were pre-COVID. So I think that that's still a benefit and there's nothing wrong with creating a really great hospital and then selling it to someone else and being able to kind of ride off in the sunset if you want. But there's also nothing wrong with creating a really awesome business and having associates you're bringing in and selling a little bit over time at an early age. I think that's awesome. Like if you can be late thirties, early forties and being selling like a 5% stake over time to a variety of different associates, you can kind of step yourself out of that ownership role, still working, still doing stuff and have a ton of success both personally and financially as you go through that. And I think there's a lot of benefit there. So no, I am as bullish as can be when it comes to veterinary medicine. And that's the one thing that I said in kind of my big announcement of me leaving Vincere and all that other stuff was I want to still have a foot in the door in vet med. And there's a couple different things that I'm talking through and looking at, and I'll find a way to stay involved in vet med just because the people are amazing. And I think that it's a place that I enjoy spending time. And so the podcast is here, but I think there's other ways to be involved. And so I look at it similarly to Bitcoin, like this is a really exciting place to be and somewhere that I personally want to spend time, energy, and hopefully put you know my skills to work there. So yeah, I'm all for it. Awesome. Yeah. I do have one more question just because it's been talked about a lot. I've seen a lot on social media and things like that, but I would love to get your opinion on non-competes within veterinary medicine if you have one. Yeah. Non-competes. So <laughs> I'm going to not get myself in trouble. So I'm not even going to say what I want to say initially, which is, has nothing to do with veterinary medicine. So if you can read between the lines, you'll know. Okay. <laughs> I think they're bullshit. So I'll just put them that way. If you are afraid of competition, I've always been like a person that's like sports. I've been someone that played them growing up. I wasn't great by any stretch of imagination, but it's about competition. If you're good, you're going to be rewarded for that. And if you have a poor performance, you're going to be punished for that. And I think it's the same way in vet med. Like if you suck at owning your business and you are not giving good opportunities for someone, they should be able to go somewhere else and do whatever they want. And you can say whatever you want to say about, well, and, you know, I spent all this time and effort and energy to give them education and do all this other stuff. Well, yeah, they also probably added revenue to your bottom line as well. And it's just that simple. And I know I have some good friends that disagree with me that are past clients of really successful practices that see it a different way. I understand that. But at the same token, I ran a financial planning business and we didn't have a non-compete. Why? Because we wanted to make sure that if we had good people on the team, that they can go and if they want to work somewhere else and it's a better fit, go do it, right? At the end of the day, ultimately the goal should be that there's a high quality of care given to the pets in that community or the, the, the animals in that community, right? And so if you can't do it and the clients decide to go somewhere else because they're doing it better, that's a reflection on you and you alone, period, point blank. Non-solicits are different and I do agree with that. Someone's been there and they have all this information. They shouldn't be able to turn around and, and use that. That is information for that company that should not be taken. That should not be stolen. That should not be. But if they want to go out and say, hey, Isaiah opened a practice across the street from Andrew because Andrew you know, ran his clinic not well and didn't give Isaiah the opportunities or they just it didn't work out for a variety of reasons. And maybe Andrew was an awesome boss and Isaiah just thinks he can do better. Well, he'll probably go open his business. And if people are like, yeah, I really like Andrew and the team and you know, Isaiah's fine, but eh, I don't want to change. Status quo for a lot of people is they don't change. So for the vast majority, they probably aren't going to switch over to, you know, that hypothetical clinic that I opened across the street, but there's going to be certain people that will follow and that's okay. And again, going back to the shortage, there's such a high demand for veterinary care. Don't be so darn stingy. And going back to the idea of what you even said, like the abundance mentality is important. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, you'll be better off. Awesome. I, I tend to agree. I just, everyone's got, you know, their opinion. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I'm also, I've had plenty of conversations with Paul. He's been on the podcast had conversations recorded, unrecorded, in person, like chatted a lot with him on that. And I've had conversations with others that I've I've shared that got got some serious hate on LinkedIn with a specific guest that was definitely like, yeah, you should have non-competes. You need to make sure you have them. And it wasn't well received. I think sometimes there's nuance to it, but it's like, at the end of the day, like just go do the job well and treat people well. And the non-compete thing won't even be an issue. I think it's people that are afraid of competition 
And it's hard to run a veterinary clinic. It's hard to run a business. It's hard to go do things yourself. And sometimes people might have a bigger ego or think that they can go do it. And they're going to find out real fast. It's kind of hard. Maybe that's why Dr. Andrew did it that way. Cause it's hard. And Isaiah might find that lesson real fast when he goes and tries to do his own thing. So yeah, non-competes are not good. They're going away. They're going to be outlawed. You're not even going to be able to enforce them anyway. So just don't do it. I mean, at this point, Paul's done a good enough job. It's just one of those topics. Like it's really hard to push back on because there's just so much hate. So like, why take that stance? Cause you're just going to be looked at in a bad light. Just drop it. Move on. Yeah. You open the door for questions. So I figured I'd ask. I mean, it's a good question. I just think now, like he has done and others have done such a good job at making that such a polarizing topic where you really are going to open yourself up to a lot of criticism if you take the other side. And that's why no one ever took me and Paul up on the debate that we had. We had one person that said that they would do it and they kind of backed out and made some comments that made it really hard to like reschedule a debate to where they basically were like, we're not going to do it, but we're going to politely decline without telling you we're not going to do it. So I think that's pretty telling when people won't get up and be recorded and give a firm stance on why they believe what they believe. That's all you need to know. Sure. So for folks that maybe this is the first time they're hearing you, I guess, plug the different resources, areas that you are at, where they can follow you. I know I mentioned that guide earlier. Yeah. Where can they find you? Yeah. So I do have like a content, so resources like education for veterinarians. It's entrepreneurial vet, entrepreneurial-.com. The financial planning firm is vetworthfinancial.com. Yeah. There's three guides on there. One is just kind of a, a 10 pillars for success. Uh, there's a relief vet guide. And then there is a, for practice ownership, just kind of getting finances in order there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to answer any questions. And even if you become a client or not, again, those were to help me be a better advisor to understand in, you know, individual situations and what concerns them at this time. And if I'm not the right fit, like I'll provide resources for others who might be able to assist you, whether it be other advisors in the veterinary financial advisor network, that sort of things like that, whatever is best fit for you. Happy to, to send those resources along. I love it. We'll uh, have it all in the show notes. Thank you for the time. Great chat as always. And uh, appreciate you and what you're doing. Yeah. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. However, you are intelligent enough to make decisions for yourself. So I do encourage you to dig in, learn for yourself and not just outsource every decision that you make. You should talk to your professional team if you have one before implementing anything that I talk about, but also make sure they know what they're talking about. Push them, question them. That's healthy. That's okay. Oh yeah. And you should probably own and learn a little bit about that Bitcoin thing. The biggest compliment you can give to me is to share the show with a friend or the podcast. If there's another episode that you really like, that helps folks find it. That helps it grow. Um, reviews are critical. The Apple podcast is the platform that's predominantly used for how people find the show. So if you have three minutes, love the show, please head over, give us five stars. If you believe that's what we earned, that would help more people find the show. Also, if you're new, go to YouTube. It's a channel, uh, putting up all the videos there as well. Sometimes it's going to be more interactive. Other times it's just going to be the conversation. So vainly, I want to get a hundred subscribers. So I get the vanity URL. That's the goal. We're on our way, but not quite there yet. For all of today's links information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss any episodes in the future. And finally, if you'd like more information, insights, or have the ability to, for your voice to be heard, join the Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinarian Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, about your host, click on the Facebook icon. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends, Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. ProSal is the pay structure Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 850-864-1857. Join a thriving, growing, small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full-time ideal, part-time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients and clients in outdoor woman's paradise while uh, being able to practice high-quality medicine. Compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. 
literally it is the owner wants to t- find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos. Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available to practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you, full-time or part-time available. Small animal and exotics are both seen there, so no ER, no on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic, so type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital, personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five-doctor mixed animal practice in northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs, six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. No on call, a 24-hour ER less than an hour away. Salary based on experience, but no less than 95,000. Can be straight salary, pro-sal considered. Want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to watertownpetcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out. Let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know. And we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon.